calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Get your big kidneys up, you big old... Hello and welcome to the IGN UK podcast. I haven't got it. I was trying to think of something weird to say at the start of this, but my brain is not working. So uh, I'm Simon and I'm here with Matt and Joe. How are you? Hello. Hi. Hello. Anyone oh, got yeah. anything quirky to say? Um, no. <laughs> no, no, okay. You really put me off by... Oh, no, actually, that's just... Never mind. I was just going to throw a, a listener under the bus. <laughs> Um, <laughs> wow, that's a great way to start. You know who you are. You fucking know who you are. <laughs> okay, well, what a weirdly sinister way to start this week. Yeah, We've... yeah. Joe, Joe's on a on a one man mission today. He's I don't know what he's doing. To be frank with you, but um, we've got a lot to talk about this week. We've got a little bit of Outriders. We've got Disco Elysium. It's back. Godzilla versus Kong. They're both back. Uh, near replicant version 1.22474487139 dot 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 is back. <laughs> uh, a bit of Invincible and a bit of a game called Dwarf Romantic. That is a lot of stuff to get through, so maybe we won't spend too long on each of these things, but there's just so much to talk about. Oh, um, God, it's, so, we... it's ever so stuffed. It's so stuffed, it's like, it's like a... Tandoori vegetable stuffed parathas is, is the it? first thing that came to my mind there. Uh, I don't think just, I've had just, one. It sounds good though. Really? Yeah. You, you should treat yourself. Maybe tonight. Whoa. Uh, there we go. That's my treat to you. Uh, anyway, why don't we start with a bit of Outriders? Because we, no less than ten minutes ago, were playing a bit of this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's out today as we're recording this. We're recording it on a Thursday because tomorrow is a bank holiday in in England. So we're you know, we're just taking it off. Uh, well, me and Matt aren't, but you know. Yeah, two thirds of this podcast aren't. <laughs> yeah, to be fair. But we've recorded today, so that's why I said it's out today. It's not important. Um, it's also out on Game Pass, which means it's free if you have Game Pass on your Xbox. And it's fully crossplay, which yeah. I didn't realise until I only a few found days that ago. Out yesterday. Yeah, which is amazing. This this game continues to pleasantly surprise me, mm-hmm. uh, not only in the how fun it is, but yeah, all that stuff that A, Game Pass, B, crossplay 
and we've only played what another hour since the beta and we yep. did everything we could in the beta but i'm still having a great time with it still slowing people down and seeing their skeletons explode and that's yeah. all i really want it's really it's very silly easy fun in a way that i really enjoy and i particularly mm-hmm. like the fact that us three play it because I think we have a nice time doing it. Because <laughs> I think we're all equally excited by stupid things like skeletons and exploding people, um, mm-hmm. which is I and think a the best dash. way. Oh, I just I got some new boots that turn me into a ghost. It's amazing. <laughs> like again, I, just... I know we've talked about it before on Outriders, but the thing I like is that it, how quickly it starts going. Hey, you know all your mm-hmm. abilities. Here's all the different ways you can fuck with your abilities and. The fact that I've got boots that make me a ghost, that's cool as shit. Yeah, I just got a new ability called, uh, I think it's called Cyclone Spin, which uh, means for five seconds I just spin around like a like a sword spinning top and just gut people open. Yeah. And I found I also found some boots which extend that by another five seconds, so I can spin for ten seconds. It's going to be a like mess. Tasmania. The uh, well, Taz from Tasmania, either, but um, yeah, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not suggesting the whole island of Tasmania spins, but don't we all spin on this great earth axis we call home? Um, <laughs> Matt, what are you finding <laughs> about Outriders? I mean, I haven't found anything oh, that's God. quite as nice as you. I found a jacket that made me look like my dad. That's all I found. <laughs> It's a different experience to what we're doing. Uh, yeah, no I'd say it's actually more powerful on. in some ways. Well, yeah. you know, looking like a 63-year-old dude, absolutely. Yeah. I would love for you to write a full like 5,000 feature, 5,000 word feature on uh, the game that made me look like my dad. Ah, oh, the second jacket feature on IGN. <laughs> uh, I do want to point out that Matt's dad, who I've never seen, so I can't attest yeah. to it, sounds like he's pretty fucking cool if... The jacket he wears have big ass spikes on the shoulders, like your jacket does. Yeah, my dad's um, part of a motorcycle crew, you could say. <laughs> That's absolutely <laughs> rad. I love I, it. I would never. Have, didn't he hand anything, any of that down to you? Uh, you don't Not strike a, me as a, a, a biker. The idea of getting on a motorbike absolutely terrifies the fuck out of me. No, thank you. <laughs> I hope that he gives you one of those jackets, though, at some point, so you can just really get that Outriders cosplay down. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'd probably look like someone out of Riverdale, wouldn't I, rather than an Outrider. But oh, don't, don't put yourself down like that. It's fine. Um, but yeah, we've only played another hour, so we just wanted to remind people that it's out and it's fun. And I imagine the next couple of weeks we'll talk about it again once we've got further into it and played more of it. Uh, no new Electro Freaks so far, though, which is a disappointment. But hopefully, maybe we'll get some like Pyro Freaks or something, or a Hydro Freak. Uh, I don't know. Who knows? Um, another game that's out this week Disco Elysium, the final cut. If you've been listening to this podcast for over a year and a half, you probably heard us talk about Disco Elysium a lot when it came out at the end of 2019. And maybe you got a little bit sick of it, but I'm apologising now because we're going to talk about it for another five or ten minutes Mm -hmm. because it is one of the best games to have come out in recent years. And it's now even better than ever because this game has over a million words in it. And you previously pretty much had to read them all. Um, That's to say, you know... I didn't mind that, but I know it put a lot of people off, um, especially as it was coming to console and that wouldn't be necessarily a great experience on a TV to be squinting from far away reading it all. And not you'd see all million words in a playthrough because there's so many different branching mm-hmm. things. But um, 
the game is now fully voiced and yeah like i said it's better than ever all the voices really hit the mark and they've done such an incredible job with they changed that. kuno though didn't they they did which i'm not joe i didn't i meant to triple check this i don't know if they changed the voice actor for kuno or they got the same guy in to do it slightly differently it's um, a softer so little does, accent isn't it yeah it's he's still like a little scouse ginger kid who's very angry with the whole world but it's not quite as grating because I did find Kuno a little bit annoying. And I know he's meant to be horrible and I annoying, loved him. but it was a bit much. Loved him. He's still, he's th- you've still got the essence of that character. Kuno! <laughs> Kuno doesn't give a fuck. He's great. Um, yeah. That just sounded but, like Steven Gerrard describing Kuno. <laughs> I liked it. Uh, but yeah, and there's also, alongside that, you've also got the additional political vision quests which don't necessarily add a lot to the whole of the main story they come in later i think you get them at the end of the third day if you're familiar with the game as you're waking up in the fourth and it gives you maybe up to like 20 to 30 minutes of extra content and basically a side mission that further reinforced the political leanings you took in that game and it just you meet a couple you'll meet a couple of new characters depending which um of the four branches you pick. So you've got um communism, ultra liberal, fascism, and I centrism. The fourth. I think it's centrism is the fourth one. And you follow yeah, depending on which one of those. So the key is, I mean they don't tell you this, which is I actually stumbled across it and then later in the review guide they send over, they tell you specifically how to get these quests, but it's not just to do with the choices you pick in conversations which tally up to which one you favour you actually have to have one of those four thought cabinet things processed Mm. by that time in order Uh, if you haven't played this game that sounds mad but frankly I can't explain that concept succinctly I think (laughs) just on a wider level the fact that any game ever before this marketing itself on on a new version adding four political vision quests is like <laughs> absolutely unthinkable that's why i love this game so much but it really does yeah reinforce those ideas it's trying to put into the game and like i said it doesn't really affect the main storyline in any great way but it really does add to that world and yeah if you if you haven't really heard about this game uh, check out my review i gave it a 10 out of 10 which is a rare thing for us to do it is a masterpiece i believe and please read the full review because it's very hard to succinctly explain what this game is on a podcast. I've never, <laughs> I think when we did sorry. it, when it first came out, it was me, Joe, and yeah. I think Jesse, and I think we spent almost all the podcast talking about it. Like, it yeah. was yeah. that much of a thing for us. It's so it still good. is. I, I, what yeah. I re- I, so I haven't dug into the final cut very much yet, but what I love about yes. the idea of it, the voicing of it, I should say, is... It was always intended as A, a detective story, and B, a detective story told through the medium of like a role-playing game. And the voiceover is like the perfect mixture of those two things. Like it gives you the Mm -hmm. smoky, noiry aspect of a voiceover, like bad Blade Runner. Um, And, and, you know, all the other good ones. Uh, And uh, But it also gives you the sense that you've got a DM, like someone who's running who knows the world better than you and can tell you the story around the world, kind of breaking the fourth wall. Yeah. That's just such a... It's just so... They I really mean, nailed it. Like everything else in this game, it is so smart. Like, it's such yeah. a smart idea. Mm-hmm. And it is like, I understand, it's not a game for everyone. A lot of people will... Bounce. I think uh, 
I think Dale tried it this week and he said after an hour he's pretty much bounced off it and mm. realised it's not for him. And that's completely fair because it will not be for everyone. It won't be for everyone's taste. But it's something I'd at least check out or watch a bit. Like I think we've got the first 20 odd minutes of the original up on IGN. Just give that a watch and yeah, see if it's for you. It is out on PlayStation 4 and 5 now. I think at launch there were some performance issues. It was quite framey and some of the interactions weren't working properly, but they've been patching it since. Uh, yeah, I, I think there's some it's cra- much more stable now. Yeah, I think there were some crashing issues and save game stuff. So I think yeah. I think there's, there's still some guidance as we speak on, like, just save all the time just to make sure. Yeah. Um, but I'm sure they've been doing updates quite a lot for that game, so I, mm-hmm. I'm sure it'll be... Fixed I think it's enough. been patched twice since launch on Tuesday already. Yeah. So, and it ran perfectly well for me on PC. And yeah, it's coming to Switch and Xbox later this year, I believe. There's no mm. date on that, but uh, yeah, I uh, can't recommend that game enough. So do check it out. A uh, very worthy ten also, out of ten. I'm glad you've given. I, a ten. I I've never given a ten out of ten in my life. Really? Yeah. Like I've given two now. I'm, I'm mad for it, aren't I? It was that uh, one I've held. And a... Overwatch. I only give re-releases tens. <laughs> yeah, I held a little minor grudge against you, Kai, because I would have given it ten on its original release, and I, w- and I was <laughs> I had... hoping that you would have. And <laughs> but nine point six was a fucking incredible score for that game. But yeah. it's finally, had... got what it deserved. I had very valid minor criticisms, <laughs> and they've now been smoothed out. And we don't you know. have decimal points anymore, which really helps. Yeah. Exactly. Like, yeah, if, if we had our 10-point system back then, it would have been a 10, because it's, it's more of a 10 than a 9. Mm-hmm. So there yes, you go. I would say uh, so. There we go. Uh, a 10 out of 10 game that you should check out. Uh, a new film that's out this week now, Godzilla vs. Kong. Me and Matt have both watched this. Uh, you haven't seen it yet, have you, Joe? No, but I feel like I've got a sense of the plot. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine if there was a mad twist. Um, no, I think you've, you've you kind of nailed it there. You know exactly what this film is going in. You get exactly what you're expecting with no real surprises. Yet, I I wouldn't say I did enjoy it. I wasn't. I really enjoy. I'm really on and off with Godzilla. Like sometimes I re- I'm really into them, and sometimes they just do nothing for me. This one was a bit half and half. I do like all the stuff with the monsters, but I feel like what they've done with the human characters is poor. And in a Godzilla and a Kong film, do you care about the human characters as much? Probably not. But they give so much spotlight to them at times, but do nothing with them. And that's the problem, I think. But if you don't know, some people might not know what the rough plot of this film is. (laughs) So let's just say, you know, the humans basically have been keeping Kong in a safe, like biosecure bubble. Keeping him in the Truman Show. Since the 70s, (laughs) basically. See, in a Truman Show. (laughs) <laughs> basically yeah they've been keeping him ca- well, semi-captive semi-safe from Godzilla for decades because there's this ancient rivalry between the Godzilla and Kong families essentially that have been going on for, is that, for millennia is that, is that real? is it like is, is it like the Montagues and Capulets? do they kiss? True story. It, it is a modern retelling of Romeo and Juliet it, they just should have let Baz Luhrmann do it again is yeah. what I think it's like Songs Romeo and Juliet sort of except they hit each other with boats <laughs> where is the Godzilla versus Kong musical that's what we all want <laughs> um, but yeah basically Kong's being kept safe but ultimately there's some bad humans because that's always what happens in these sort of monster films or Jurassic Park or any sort of films it's always the humans there's always some greedy humans or some mad humans who think it's a good idea to stir up some trouble so they need to get Kong out of that for reasons I won't explain for plot because there are a couple of surprising plot 
details in there if you haven't seen trailers. But of course, Godzilla finds where Kong is, and then a big old ruckus occurs. <laughs> uh, um, I. I did enjoy watching it. I I was a little. I was. I think the first thing I I sent a text to Matt as soon as I finished it, saying, "How can a film be so bonkers yet so dull at times?" <laughs> but like, I do like all of. I do think the action scenes look incredible. Especially there's big fight near the end, as you probably expect. <laughs> no real spoilers there. And some of that stuff looks amazing. And any time Godzilla like charges up that atomic breath, I'm having a good time. But. Like I said, it's all the weird stuff of like, just the stuff with like Rebecca Hall and uh, Alexander Skarsgård's character. Just like, well, they're not characters, they, those are, are they? They're just exactly people in the film. They are pl- they are pure plot device, and those are good actors that could do more of that. But instead, the people who have more to do are like Millie Bobby Brown and Brian Tyree Henry, who are good but weird characters in a way, and they do provide some comic relief, and they do have something to do with the plot. But they're all taking it so seriously. See, like, this is the thing. Right? Everything going around them in this film is so bonkers, but everyone's so, like, like stone-faced. Just, like, can someone just recognise how mad all of this is? <laughs> oh, like, oh, it's worth pointing out, it's not just mad because it's a giant lizard with atomic breath and it's yeah. a giant monkey. Like, the actual science that is being used as the basis of the yeah. plot of this film is fucking absurd. Like, I c- whereas kind of like, so I think, Cardi, you're on the same page as me. Like, you quite liked Godzilla 2014, right? The Gareth Edwards I one. I do. I know that's not necessarily a popular yeah. opinion, but I like that slower mm-hmm. Godzilla film. But that is... And I did actually quite like King of the Monsters. I oh, know, really? I know you weren't as big a fan, oh, but I thought Monsters. it was a bit... I thought it was some stupid fun. I'm up for just seeing giant monsters constantly But the fight. thing about those two films is they are stupid because they're giant monster movies. This yeah. is camp. It's camp as fuck, but none of the humans in it are. Like, everything else going around it is glowing, kind of neon, almost like they're ripped off the set of the Japanese Toho Godzilla Mm. movies. But the plot and everybody in it thinks it's a disaster movie. That's why I liked... That's why I liked Kong Skull Island, because that's a film where the people are as stupid as the events and... Like that. If you had the cast of that film in this one, I feel like you've got a much better film. And I don't, I don't. Converse of Godzilla, I thought it was perfectly fine, okay, enjoyable film. I don't think it's a bad film by any means. But yeah, that tonal thing did feel a bit off. And it does. At the same time, I realise it does sound mad to hear people overanalyzing Kong versus Godzilla. <laughs> but <laughs> they, they are, they are like. They are setting up these serious characters like for no real reason. What I find. do the monsters mean? Can we clear it up? <laughs> well, that's the thing, isn't it? Like Godzilla was originally a political metaphor. He yeah. was the atomic bomb. Like, He's a he nuclear bomb. Sort of yeah, there's nothing like that's all out the window, and I don't really care about that. I will say it's called Godzilla vs Kong. It's kind of like a Kong film that Godzilla turns up in occasionally. Mm. Like they focus much more on Kong, and in a way, I think you're meant to emphasize with Kong a lot more than Godzilla, which is, I mean, I'm more. If you told me to pick Kong or Godzilla, I think I'm Team Kong. I I prefer King Kong to Godzilla. That's just who I am. You know, you won't change me. But um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I I enjoyed it. It's by no means a masterpiece. It's by no means bad. It's just odd. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's odd. I don't know. I don't think I liked it. Like, there's definitely some really cool fights in it, but mm. 
I wish it was a film about fights rather than like all of this pretend bullshit that's underneath it. Mm-hmm. And it does this thing where kind of so Brian Tyree Henry's character is um is like a podcaster. What is this weird new trope of if there's anybody, if there's like a big conspiracy in the world, it's like the character's a podcaster that's got the most annoying fucking podcast in the world and they're telling the truth. We all know that podcasts are weird people that yeah. tell conspiracy theories that are bad. They're not the truth yeah. tellers. Uh, he's just, he's an insider who, for some reason, this multi-national like, global company hasn't really hunted down and find out why he's doing this and leaking this info. And biggest fan happens to be millie bobby brown from <laughs> king of the monsters who happens to find him and infiltrate a company and guys it's, I it's all bonkers i don't want to interrupt our chat about um you know podcasters and conspiracies and and you know yes. the, the bad faith stuff there but i just do want to point out that our sponsors this week are mega brain pills and they will make your brain twice as big <laughs> uh literally your skull inflates your brain gets bigger and they're really the good for you you become the leader and you can literally <laughs> communicate with monkeys. So just putting that wow. out there, we can get back to that. Yeah, I just wanted to just wanted to get the sponsors yeah. here. Search for that on your Google device. Mega brain pills. Mega to, brain to, pills. To a boots near you or, or a Walgreens. And soon, mega, and soon mega kidney pills. Twice Ooh, as big kidneys. Really? Stick right out the sides. They look mental, what? but it's good for you. You piss twice what as hard. What are the health benefits? I was going to ask what the the benefits you piss of, twice a, as hard. of a, an enlarged kidney. Yeah, really hard piss. So you, can I? Could I break through a piece of cardboard with it? Oh, easy. And if you combine the two, mega brain pills yeah. and mega kidney pills, you'll know exactly the force that you shot through. That's how you maths <laughs> and action. That's what you want. A little, a little, if you find the magic third ingredient, you can piss Godzilla atomic breath. Confirmed. Um... Anyway, yeah, let us know what you thought about Godzilla vs. Kong, IGN underscore UK feedback at IGN.com. But yeah, I thought it was a bit of silly fun. Uh, good to watch at home. And yeah, there you go. Enjoy it. It's just good to have films coming back, is what I'm finding. I know the last couple of films on this podcast we haven't been glowing about, but I am just enjoying new films coming out. Um, what else am I enjoying? Do you know what? I'm going to skip one, but we'll come back to it, Matt. Because next we're going to go on to Invincible, mm-hmm. which is also out this week. So much stuff coming out this week and last week. Um, Invincible is the new Amazon Prime animated superhero show from the mind of Robert Kirkman from The Walking Dead fame. I've heard about this comic for quite a few years. I know a lot of people say it's very, very good. I've watched the first episode. Have you read much of Invincible? No, no. So I've got friends that have, and it's always been one of these that's on the the bat list because I am a huge fan of Image, which is the imprint that Robert Kirkman writes for. He's obviously got a Skybound side of it, but I love Image comics probably more than Marvel now. Um, but it has always been one that has kind of like sat. I'll read that eventually. It's all out now. If you ever want to go and read, I think it's 144 issues of it, but the whole Mm -hmm. series is done with now, so you can read a whole story about him. Mm. Um, How many episodes have you watched? I've only watched the first one. Okay, and the first one ends on quite the cliffhanger, I will say, so I I was going to watch the second one, but it was already (laughs) 1.30am by the time I finished, so I thought I'll watch Mad Men instead, is what I did. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I enjoyed it. I It's so... Coming from the mind of the man who created The Walking Dead, obviously you're expecting a bit of violence. And it is... I've always known it to be like a quite R-rated or 18 comic book. 
And I think we had this conversation again, like for the first, they're 45 minute episodes. Mm-hmm. The first 40 minutes of the first one, it's very like clean. It's almost like Christopher Reeve Superman yeah. mm-hmm. stuff, really. And you're like, what is so like R-rated about this? This is all quite nice and sweet. And it's almost like Superman crossed with Spider-Man yeah. in a mm-hmm. way. And it's very classic superhero. And then it all kicks off that's at the end of the first episode. Yeah. Yeah, and you're like, okay, I, I, I see what they're doing here. And that's where I really started to enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> you uh, you like the a bit of the old ultraviolence, don't you, Candy? It's sometimes, well, that's the thing, isn't it? Like, when science animated, you can kind of get away mm-hmm. with anything. <laughs> yeah. And they do. <laughs> what's, uh, what's the worst bit of violence in it you've seen? I, I mean, seen, that five uh, minutes has got pretty much everything. That you, I mean, yeah. in terms of fisticuff violence... There's not like, anything there's just a lot, depraved. Like someone's, like yeah, someone's like skull just gets crushed with someone's hands. Like they crush someone's head so much it just explodes. Sounds uh, gross. Yeah, yeah it's pretty <laughs> gross. Uh, you'd like it. You, uh, I'm um, actually not totally into the old ultraviolence myself. It needs to be uh, grounded in emotion for me. <laughs> uh, well, maybe this is. If he um, just had a mega brain pill though, and they were smashing ooh. his brain down. <laughs> I'd be really well, invested because I'd be furious. Well, you've actually stumbled across the pot of it. It's just a man with giant kidneys explodes one day and everyone's <laughs> trying to work out what's going on, who's behind the mega kidney pills. Um, but no, the actual plot of Invincible is it's a world not too dissimilar from like a Superman style world where there's a Justice League. Oh, it's of all sorts. Th- like, that that team is based is on the Justice yeah. League. Like there's a there's a Batman yeah. analog, there's a Flash analog, there's a Superman analog, yeah. and basically. Yeah, there's the leader of this group who's kind of the Superman, like analog is has a son who in this first episode starts developing powers. He's like a teenage boy, and that's really the plot so far. Really, is mm-hmm. that yeah, this boy, teenage boy, starts developing powers, and his dad is Superman effectively. Uh, and it's kind of it starts off quite sweet, and like I said, it takes a turn. But I've only watched the first episode, so I don't really have much more to add. How is the second so episode? The second going? episode is real and actually it contextualizes that violence quite well because okay. so that first episode is very much about kind of like uh, Mark, who is the the main character, kind of learning that he's powers. And it's very much that kind of Spider Man thing where he's at school, he's getting his powers, yeah. but instead of being spider based, he is pretty much Superman as a boy. Um, mm-hmm. The second episode is quite clearly he gets into lots of super heroics in the second episode and he's you know there's there's a there's a big kind of alien invasion that's happening and he's helping other superheroes just turns out that he's actually not very good at it because from his perspective as a kid looking at all of these superheroes that are seasoned and able to fight without causing people's heads to explode and stuff like that that's because he's seeing it from a distance and doesn't realize kind of in the same way that like we play Call of Duty and think that war's kind of like a video game, right? And then soldiers, unfortunately, have to go, you know, are sent away and war is hell. So that second episode is very much from his perspective in the middle of fighting to save people. And he's just fucking terrible at it, you know, trying to save an old lady and that doesn't go too well. Um, and seeing all of that violence up close, you then get a very Robert Kirkman look at it, which I suppose is his mm-hmm. his idea of The Walking Dead is attempting to put a little bit of grounding into what it would be like to try and survive a, a zombie apocalypse, right? And so there is a certain amount of this is what it's like to try and survive as a superhero. Um, and so, yeah, there's there's kind of like... The episodes are... 
I wouldn't say they're necessarily slow, but it's definitely like an hour-long drama. It's a TV drama. It's not a comedy, which I think is the important thing to point out about it. It might be animated, but it's not like a Rick and Morty or a, like a Harley Quinn show or anything like that. It's weirdly serious. Um, and so it, it's got the pace of a normal drama. Like It's not like it's having huge reveals each episode. It's got that standard drama television pacing of it. So I haven't got super far into where mm-hmm. it's digging, but it's definitely interesting. It's got a great cast as well. You've got Stephen Young mm-hmm. from The Walking Dead and Minari. He's playing the lead character. You've got J.K. Simmons, Mark Hamill, Seth Rogen. They all appear in it at but points. Like, yeah, it's yeah, it's a great Jason Mazukas so as well turns up in the second episode. Mm-hmm. He is um, he's a, he's a, a superhero called Rexplode, which sounds about the right. Most, yeah, Jason Mazukas character you could possibly get. You've got Sazzy Beats, Julian Jacobs. There's this so many great people in this and yeah i think mahersha ali might even turn up and john isn't john ham in the first episode as well um I felt like i heard his voice yeah yeah I he's think... one of the guards isn't he at the white house in the very yeah. opening scene <laughs> that's, that's yeah weird. there's there's like um, the cat i mean if you have a look at our um like our fan fest stuff from like the other month we had like a panel mm-hmm. on that got loads of really really good because um gillian Ga- jacobs from communities in it as well yeah like huge great cast it's just like yeah, that's I'm, just comedy, like a comedy bang bang lineup yeah. of people. <laughs> that's really weird. But it's not that. Not to say it's not un, not funny. There are there's funny moments, In but yeah, it's not way, a, yeah, it's not a comic. Yeah, it's not a, a comedy per se. But yeah, I, I'm looking forward to watching those two other episodes. And I think we're getting is it three episodes a week for the next few weeks? I don't know season? how the rollout is, but it's definitely kind of like you got three when it came out last week, and now there's new episodes coming out from week to week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the rest of that. I I will stick with it. I watched the first like three seasons of The Walking Dead and did fall off, so I'm hoping like I, I'm not I don't I've deliberately not looked where the Invincible comic book storyline goes, obviously for spoiler reasons, but I've heard it stays strong till the end, so I'm hoping yeah, it's that's the case. Got a good reputation. Yeah. Exactly. Um yeah, looking forward to more of that. Check that out on Amazon Prime. <laughs> uh right, here we go. Here is an absolutely ridiculous name of a game, <laughs> which is it tedious? You be the judge of it. Near replicant version one point two two four seven four four eight seven one three nine dot dot dot. Matt, why have you made me say that out twice? Uh, now? I mean, you. I didn't make you say it twice. You could have just you said wanted it to talk about this. Well, yeah, I do. Yeah, I've been playing it. Yeah. Um, the one point two two four seven four four eight seven one three nine dot 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 is actually the square root of one point five, which is essentially what this game is. It's version one point five. He couldn't uh, just do that, could he? No, because it's Yoko Taro. What else was he gonna do? <laughs> sometimes I find him charming and funny. Sometimes just heavily tedious. Like, <laughs> and I don't know where this one falls. I'm I'm leaning towards tedium. <laughs> so. Um, I have never played the original Nier, so this is my first go at it. And it is... That 1.5, I think, kind of means something because it's not a true remake, It's but it's more than a remaster. It's kind of like this weird in-between thing. So the game is pretty much exactly the same as it was. It has better graphics, which you can tell, because the only way I know really about what happened in the original game is I've watched some Let's Play stuff, really, to compare, mm-hmm. to see where we were. And just to be clear, this is nothing... Like, what I... I'm so bad in all the near stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, what relation is this to near automata? So, so to near automata, this is a 
now it's now we're coming back to it. That makes it a prequel, but it was the original game. It's earlier in the time frame by okay. at least a thousand years, I think, if not more. Um, okay. Now, if anybody has played near Automata, which is, I think, the only reason why you probably want to come and play a ten-year-old version of of an old game mm-hmm. that was not all that well received when it originally came out, it's since become like a cult classic. Um, you'll probably, if you've played near Automata, the words uh, "gestalt" will mean something to you. It is something of that game's history. The original near, when it was released over here, was called Near Gestalt. So, part of that storyline is going to be okay. here. There are two characters, uh, Deviler and Popular, which you'll recognize from Automata, who are big presences in this. So there is kind of some narrative tie, but I think largely they can be enjoyed as separate games. They don't have such a strong connection that you have to consider them prequel and sequel. Like, Am I right in thinking... Because it wasn't it... Oh, I always get confused with near history, but in the West, it was released with... A specific character mm-hmm. and in japan it was released with a whole different playable yeah. character with a different story so so over here it was called near gestal and you played an older dude with like white hair who's probably kind of like knocking on for his 50s and his daughter had been brought down by a sickness and you were trying to save the daughter in japan it was called near replicant which is like yoko's original idea for it where you played the brother and, and your sister is ill. So the actual game is still fundamentally the same game, but that relationship does sort of change the way you feel about the game. Like one is about a father kind of just trying to save his daughter, whereas the other one is a brother who obviously doesn't necessarily have that like paternal instinct, but also there's definitely a time jump at some point in the near storyline. And so that is the boy becoming man kind of element that you don't mm. get when you've started as a man. But what a weird decision to make those different. For so that different... was Square. They demand. They said that nobody in the West would want to play as a uh, as a young boy, despite that the fact was... we've been what? fucking playing JRPGs for years. <laughs> it did come at the same time as like that whole like dad game yeah. uh, mm-hmm. phenomenon was happening, mm. or at least what people said was a dad game phenomenon. So it I kind of see their point. <laughs> it's the 2010s, right? Because it originally came out in um, April 22nd, 2010. So it is. That, that latter day Xbox 360 when things were a bit grittier people wanted that so mm-hmm. I do understand it but um, what we're getting here near Replicant as this 1.5 remake remaster whatever the hell you want is you're getting to play the Japanese interpretation of that character it's fully voiced now which from what I can tell when I've been watching like playthroughs of the original it wasn't fully voiced it had got you know that kind of Disco Elysium thing where they'll say certain words, but they won't then say the rest yeah. of like the sentences. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of got that element to it. And then the combat is still the same combat, but it has been kind of like overhauled, basically. So it's closer. And it's not platinum. It's not got that kind of snappiness and that responsiveness, but it's it's not too far away. The thing that surprised me, and I think if you've never seen anything of this original one before, is how much DNA they shared between Nier Automata and the original Nier. In that, so in Nier Automata, kind of like you, it's a sword combat-based game, but you have a little robot with you called Pod, and that is a machine gun. So that's your range attacks, and it always has a special on it, which could be like a big laser, or it can cause like giant spears to erupt out the ground. What I didn't realise is the original Nier basically has exactly the same system, but you find a book called Grimoire Vice who talks, and he's basically the... Imagine a really upper-class British butler version of the Necronomicon, and that's what Grimoire Vice is. 
and he floats okay. around with you and can shoot dark magic for you and create basically all the same effects that the pods in um in automata can do so the combat system is very very familiar if you've played near um and then kind of like the storyline so my feelings about yoko taro's storytelling is kind of a bit up and down i think he's got really really great ideas but they never quite get delivered with the emotion that certainly he intends them a lot of people do find near really emotional i don't particularly find it that emotional but i find it interesting and i think that this this game has the same sort of elements there it's obviously about trying to save your your sister um and there's not really from the stuff that i've played at preview level there's not a lot that i can say about where that goes but like i'm sure it will have like a really you know attempting tear jerking and existential end but um you know kind of like i can't speak to that and it probably won't draw a tear from me but i think like mm-hmm. what it does do is it has really really cool boss battles which automata does very very well um which is that mix of being able to use um like your sword attacks your what what grimoire vice can cast but then also the fact that the bosses are just fucking mental like the <laughs> like there's a lot of um like a giant kidney no not like a giant kidney but you'll get <laughs> like so <laughs> the, the, the boss that i can talk about is that in in an area called the junkyard you're in like a big sort of arena where there's a giant um head basically a giant robot head but he's got a mega arms. brain a, yeah, a, yeah like a, a mega brain a gi- <laughs> yes! brand synergy my favorite <laughs> but i don't know i have not read the side effects for mega brain mm. if you eat bombs does mega brain have a you know a <laughs> side effect where your head might explode i'm not legally allowed to say yes <laughs> but probably allegedly that, what you will <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but basically, yeah, you f- uh, you feed the giant head bombs. It's got that kind of like Nier's okay. always got like quite weird sort of boss fights that are really inventive, and this has got that mm-hmm. whole thing of like you have to defeat its arms first, which you know can crush you and move around and have different attack patterns, and then when you've destroyed those, you get to pick up bombs from around the arena and chuck them into its mouth while it's open, um, and okay. kind of like it's got like it's probably not as advanced as some of the boss battles that are in um, in Automata. But the ones I have played are just kind of like, these are real highlights and they make the bits of the game that I don't particularly like where it's a lot of, an awful lot of going backwards and forwards and like going out of your little village at the start to do a quest, then coming back and talking to someone at your village and then they're like, oh, can you go and do me another fetch quest? But luckily those fetch quests tend to evolve into something a bit more interesting. Okay. I'm intrigued. Is the music good? Because that's one thing about Neil Automata that same composer love, isn't it? It's not got anything that's quite as phenomenal as Weight of the World, which is kind of like the the flagship song of Automata, but it's got Mm -hmm. that very orchestral kind of Japanese feel to it. It's it's very grand and like for a game that is like they're not neither of the near games are lookers. They've got some interesting like um, character designs. But they're quite weirdly flat and basic looking games. But that is kind of made up for by the fact that you've got this this really rousing score pretty much underpinning everything you do. Nice. Well, I know what song we're playing at the end <laughs> this time. A bit of weight of the world. Um, When is Near Replicant and all the numbers uh, coming out? Oh, not for a while. <laughs> like for, for press, we don't often get to see like a, a game that is as complete as this is this far in advance yeah. but it's not out till the 23rd of april which is basically i think that is 10 years on since it mm. originally came out um so there's a little okay. bit to wait 
But um, it seems like if you're weeks. into that, it's going to be yeah. for you. You've got plenty to tide you over. You've got you've got uh, yeah, what you call it? It's Outriders. You've got your Disco Elysium. You've got your It Takes Two. If you haven't played that yet, I've oh. played. I think I've got a couple hours left. It just gets better and better. Like the f- I don't played the first two hours when I said it was amazing before. The six hours that follows that is just non-stop. Yeah, incredible. It's just. But I, I, there literally some, isn't I can't, a down. I don't want to spoil it for anyone. Yeah. There literally yeah. isn't a down moment. Like every time it changes, you're like, ah, oh, this might be the bit where it kind of slows down a bit and stops introducing new stuff. It just does not stop. It's absolutely yeah. amazing. And even more of those moments where I'm just like, vocally out loud, have said, "I can't believe we're doing this now." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, uh, it's it's. I need to talk to people about it, but I don't want to spoil it for anyone who hasn't played it. And I will play it with anyone who wants to play it because it's amazing. The one where the bit where you're in where the toys are, yeah, you know yeah. when that it, whole oh my well, god, there's, there's there's like two hours of nonstop. Yeah, this it's is insane. What I've always wanted. It's so good. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. He's done um, it. <laughs> yeah, God, it takes two. Phenomenal. Do uh, it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And I do you know what I did say I think last week I said like it could work for people who aren't that used to gaming and like it introduce you to a lot of things. I will say the more you go in that game, the more challenging it does get, and the more people who aren't used to say even like using controllers and two sticks like camera control may struggle a little bit more. So I would be slightly more wary of that now. Anecdotally, uh, though, me and Anna have kept playing, and I yep. think it's got quite a smooth on ramp. Like it does get mm-hmm. more challenging, but. I think as we go through, it does a good job of introducing you to the basics as you go, and I think mm-hmm. Anna's not struggled too much as we've gone on. So I think that's good. Like I do, I, I totally get your point, and I think there is a word of warning. You know, someone who's easily frustrated might might not get might might not be into it, but yeah. certainly from our from our perspective, it's it's been fine. Like it takes a little yeah. longer to do some that's sections, good. but it's still really nice. And also, there's there is- so much detail and so much to see that even mm-hmm. if you're the player waiting, you've always got something to look at or exactly. something to enjoy. It's really cool. And they're really good. Like, if there's like a. So, I did. There's one section. Uh, there's an optional side bit to get a gold trophy. Of course, I did it. It's called the Hell Tower. And it's a really <laughs> tough, like, platforming bit, which took me longer than it should have. But, like, next to that, they've just got, like, little playful things like a fishing pond and, like, some animals you can ride which the other person can just do while you're doing that which is exactly what uh, me and uh, Lucy from GameSpot did and we've just been having a great time and she hasn't been able to play for two days now and I'm publicly putting her on blast and I want to finish this game so there we go uh, play with me Lucy uh, <laughs> right next we've got Dorf Romantic yeah I'm just going to do a very short bit on this I've talked before about uh, how I've really gotten into games that are super relaxing and have very low stakes uh, mainly about Cloud Gardens, which is coming to Xbox Game Pass, by the way, so that's really good. Um, and this is another one of those. It's called Dorf Romantic. came out last week, and it is basically, if you've played the board game Carcassonne, it's a solitaire version of that. Um, oh, that sounds amazing. It's hex-based <laughs> hex tiles, and the idea is that every uh, all six sides of the tile can be a different kind of terrain. So you get like bits of houses, bits of water, bits of... Uh, grasslands fields and trees and i think those are the basic ones and then there's some sort of slightly more complicated ones as you go through and all you're doing is placing them together to make nice uh nice looking patterns uh, that fit together really nicely the interesting gamey bits being the better matched up stuff is the more points you get for putting it down if you get a perfect 
match on every side of a tile as it's surrounded, you get an extra 60 points. So you're building up a points tally that doesn't really mean very much other than a high score. It kind of reminds mm-hmm. me, it's a very different game, obviously, but Carly, it kind of reminds me of Holdown. You know, once you get to the oh. end of Holdown and then it's just about getting a little bit further and a little bit further, but actually yeah, yeah. the pleasure of it is just playing the game. You're it, speaking a lot of my languages here. It's, good, it's got that same vibe. <laughs> and then certain um, certain tiles have quests, which are just, uh, if it's a forest, it's like this forest must contain at least X trees or this these three houses want to be connected to seven other houses but no more than that before the quest is finished okay so it's like just doing that and completing quests gives you more total tiles so eventually your stack runs out and the only way of increasing your stack to go longer and longer is by completing Mm -hmm. quests so that's its like mechanic for carrying on and it's just like the music's lovely and it looks beautiful and it's just so chilled i played it for four hours by accident the other day <laughs> it yeah. was brilliant i'm like what can you play it on sorry you i think it's it just on... pc and mac at the moment maybe PC. not even mac okay. uh i've got Ooh. to have a look but yeah this sounds like a sounds like something i can casually play whilst watching some football oh, absolutely. it's got that loop hero sound to it as well well and it requires even less you can just look away from Dolph Romantic and you're not losing out on anything. In this, mm-hmm. Obviously, Luke Pirro has a bit of attention span required, but uh, it's mm-hmm. just it's just so nice. And I, I feel like it's going to be one of those things that a, a core group of people play for a little while, but it's not going to get massive coverage. It's not going to get Game of the Year stuff at the end of the year. So this is the time I'm saying. If that's yeah. your kind of deal, if you want to chill the fuck out game, Dolph Romantic is a great example and you should buy it because it's really mm-hmm. nice. Uh, and it's like $8 just that- or something. There we go. And that is spelt, by the way, D-O-R-F-R-O-M-A-N-T-I-K. Dofromantic. I don't know go. what it means. It sounds lovely. It's really good. No. I I am going to... Do you know what? I'm going to look at that now. I think it is just PC, I'm afraid. I've it's just had just a look. PC. Oh, I can't play it on my MacBook. Oh, oh God. PC, which means well, I could play it on my PC whilst watching sign on my MacBook. Oh, God. There's too many things. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, but yeah, that looks very nice, and it's I will great. check it out. Hmm. Uh, do you know what else is very nice, and we will check out now? Go on. The Endless Search. <gasps> Inside, it's a UK IGN crew. Shit. Yeah, yeah, and ones and twos. We got the games gonna play for you. Inside, I got a question for you. Hold at the DJ, we're coming through. Yeah, yeah, and ones and twos. We got the games gonna play for you. Inside, I got a question for you. Is it in the search? No popes this week. Hey. Uh, <laughs> some of you will be relieved. Oh, it sounds like Matt's relieved. I don't um, know any more popes. <laughs> <laughs> he's all out of popes. Uh, the guy who but, sent um, in the Pope's thing said he's going to come up with another game about a different uh, profession or ooh, or category. Because I think I do think it's a good idea. It's just Pope's are very niche. <laughs> yeah, you're you're very limited by uh, yeah, if they were like cooks. Yeah, is that even broadening out? I don't know. Police. I don't know. Yeah. Detectives. Detectives like is good because you can't just say Jonathan Price for every single one and eventually get it <laughs> right. Um, Has he ever been a detective? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, he's not a detective mm. in Brazil, is he? Anyway, um, but what? Who, I can't remember your name, I'm really sorry, but when you do send in another one, I don't want it called anything else. It should still be called Top of the Popes, no matter <laughs> what the category is. Uh, that is very good. Oh, uh, We've got another one, though, sent in from another listener. This one's from Johnny Hunter, and this one should take, actually, a little bit 
less time than the Pope's <laughs> game because. I don't get me wrong. I enjoyed the Pope's game. It's a big it old game. A little bit. Let's be honest. It lasted. I looked at the timeline as in a podcast, and I was like, "This is twenty minutes." <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> and I thought, I apologise to anyone who doesn't enjoy that part of the podcast. twenty minutes. But this one will be brief and fun. Condensed uh, Pope chat. That's what you want. <laughs> exactly. That's what we, we offer. Didn't really. Exactly. And me struggling to remember who Bob Hoskins was. What a treat for <laughs> oh, everyone. Oh God. Um, Anyway, we're back to video games this week, and we've got one from, as I said, Johnny Hunter, who says, Hi, chaps, big, f- big fan of the podcast, etc., etc. And he says, Have you heard about mega brain pills? The <gasps> pills on the market. No, he doesn't say that at all. But um, look for look for mega brain pills and the kidney ones. Um, whilst perusing howlongtobeat.com the other day to help me decide which Game Pass title to try next, it suddenly brought inspiration upon me for an endless search game in a quiz that I'm calling... Size matters. Hello. There we go. The two. Com- uh, he's not talking about kidneys. I know. Uh, <laughs> I've I've come to terms two- with not everyone's talking about kidneys like me. Big kidneys. Uh, <laughs> are you in the pocket of big kidney? Yeah. Uh, that's the <laughs> end goal, made mate. Me laugh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the two compares take it take it in turns to guess the length it takes to complete the main story of these ten games. Mm. So the main story only. So your total will not include post-game content, DLCs, and so on. Whoever is closest gets a point, and if someone guesses bang on, they get two points. Is this according Sorry. to IGN sister site, How Long To Beat? You can legally say that now. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Good. <laughs> there we a, go. a Finds If um, Davis product. <laughs> There we go. He says, sorry I haven't made a fancy Excel sheet for this. It's because I'm crap. I don't think it warranted one, Drew. I wouldn't let yourself down there. It didn't need one. The list here is fine. Uh, so what we've got here is ten games. You have to guess how long the main story, so like the main campaign of those games took. Um, and yeah, one point for closest, two points if you're bang on. So here we go, ten games. And I'm going to say Matt goes first. I'm just deciding. Mm-hmm. Okay. The first game. Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Cool. How long to beat.com? How long do they say the main story takes? Uh, it's difficult when you've got a 120 hour save game, isn't it? Do you know what? Actually, I didn't say this already. Have you got a pen and paper ready? Because I, I don't want someone just going higher or lower on the person's preview. Yeah, that's role. fair. I, I can do that. I haven't, I haven't prepared. Just give me two seconds. Yeah, it's fine. I should have prepared this and I apologise. I will fill this. Uh, well, I can see Matt going to his drawer now. He's got a notepad. Uh, there we go. He's back with us. What were you saying about uh, me? You're back. Just saying you're going to your drawer to get a oh, notepad. Yeah. Nothing about your kidneys. Good. Nothing about your kidneys. They're looking pretty small, though. <laughs> well, <laughs> I might, uh, I might have to inquire about a certain product after this podcast. Yeah. Well, I'll yeah, get you some free samples. Don't worry. Don't worry about it. Stick Everyone's around after the credits sort of for a weird. discount voucher. <laughs> People are going to think it's some sort of weird inside joke we've been doing for weeks. This literally just came out of Joe's mouth half an hour ago. Yeah, I just had nothing else to say. I've got very little to offer. Size does matter as we're playing. Right, so Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Have you both written down how many hours you think? By the way, I don't need minutes. This is just rounded up to an hour. To clarify, this is just straight. You've mainlined the main story. You haven't done anything else. the main story of the game. I haven't finished it, so I'm, this is a total guess. Okay. Okay. Got a Both guess. it down. Okay, mm-hmm. Matt, what have you got? Matt's got 65. Uh, I feel like I've underestimated. I've gone for 35. 
Oh, you have underestimated, bitch. Um, it's somewhere in the middle, but it is 54, Ooh. which means Matt is closer. Uh, it's a chunky mother. So it's hard with an open game or open world game like that, isn't it? Because some people like you need to level up sometimes to you have to do size stuff in order to be powerful enough to do the main stuff. Well, so, yeah, lots of uh, lots of games actually have relatively short campaigns, but there's just tons to do around them. So, I was, mm-hmm. but you know what? Exactly. Well, congratulations to Ivor and her kin. <laughs> I love that game very much. Uh, DLC coming out at the end of uh-huh. this month in Ireland. There we go. Uh, one point to Matt then. Second game, Hollow Knight. Oh, okay. Ooh. See, that's hard because it's a hard game. So it's almost well, like, does it factor into the fact you're going to die a lot? But also, some of the side quests are necessary to do. Like, it's very hazy on what side quest and main quest. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure that the fine people at How Long to Beat have accounted for that. Okay. I'm gonna say. Okay. Okay. Joe, what what have you got? I've gone for thirty-four hours. Thirty-four. What have you got? This Uh, is. Oh, thirty-five. It's gone one over. It is Mm twenty-six. So Joe gets the point. I'm in. One all. We go. Game number three. Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Ooh. I mean if you're mainlining that game, you're ill. But whatever. I mean I did that and I I regret it. But I did start a new playthrough a few weeks ago, so (laughs) I haven't touched it in two weeks, but I will. I will. Breath of the Wild I will say I don't know what this this might influence uh, you, but it surprised me. Run out of ink. I'll have to get a new pen. Oh no. <laughs> oh no. I mean, this was a pen from Black Ops 3, so that's as long as I've had that. <laughs> <laughs> that's done well, to be fair. My, what are uh, we thinking? Oh, sorry. Yeah. Do you want I me to play a game? Matt, 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 Matt first, yeah. 25. 25 for Matt. Oh, I was just about to change, but it's too late. I've gone for 42, and I regret it. You know, you shouldn't, because it's 50. Oh, is it? I, I had it in my head, yeah, it was in the 20s to well, 30s. Well, because I'm fairly can... sure that my Switch profile says I've only played about 55 hours of it, and I, think, I thought I'd done more than just the story. Well, there we go. Again, it's a hard one to, like... Does that include getting the Master Sword and stuff? I don't know. I don't know what entails. I got it. So you could technic you could technically do that game <laughs> if you're ridiculous at that game. You could do it in what half an hour? You yeah. could go straight to yeah, yeah. Speedrunners absolutely but... destroying the algorithm. <laughs> yeah. Um anyway, that is two one to Joe. I want a spot on at one point. That'd be lovely to see, wouldn't it? It would. Um, number four. Cuphead. Do you have any memories oh, of that game, Joe? Yeah, I I definitely, uh, definitely artificially extended the how long it takes to beat the main story in that game. I'll tell you that. Is that a re? I mean, it was, don't get me wrong; it's a, a great review you did, and probably very rewarding. Do you actually regret doing that one? Was that painful? Doing the review itself. <laughs> uh, yeah, that is a review process that I deeply <laughs> did not enjoy. Um, but that is 
I, that's as much my skill level as it is the game. Yeah. I I did so well. I mean, I'm, I probably did wind you up a little bit, but to not continuously laugh for the days you were oh, playing. Oh my that god, there was, was some, hard. there was some stuff. There was some fury. <laughs> Steam out of the ears, shit. Um, uh, but how long does it say it should take to finish that game? <laughs> oh, it's going to make me so upset when I see this. Uh, there you go. It's it's you first. I'm going to go. All right, I've gone eighteen. Eighteen. I have no idea. I've never played a second of Cuphead, so I'm going to say ten and a half. Well, I would say there's no halves in this, by the way. Oh, it's not, because there are halves in in How Long to Beat. Yeah, sorry, these are all rounded, so give me ten or eleven. What Uh, are you going for? I'm going to go for eleven, then. It's ten. You could have had double points. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. But uh, Matt, there you go. Another point for Matt. That the idea that you're old. going at like half an hour per one of those things makes me really sad. Because <laughs> I definitely <laughs> took about four hours on some of those bosses. <laughs> oh, uh, less spoken about Cuphead, the best. Is the DLC ever come out for Cuphead? No, it's still delayed, I think. Yeah, it's been forever. The Magnificent Last Course, or whatever it's called. Delicious. Delicious Last Course. That makes more sense. Okay. So uh, game the correct five. adjective. We have got Portal One. Hmm. Oh, Matt's straighting on that. He knows. He's got this. I have played it like Is this five a two times. pointer? <laughs> okay, I got it. I got one. You know. You know, there's a there's not as big a range on this one, this I feel. This is true. Uh it is Matt to go first. What have you gone for? I've gone for four. He's gone for four. I've gone for six. Oh, is it five? It's three. Oh! It's three. <laughs> yeah. So Matt I think I'm thinking more Portal point. 2 length than Portal 1 length. Uh, Portal, Portal 2 is like a about long. 15 hours, isn't it? It's really chunky yeah. compared. I could I could, I could, could play those games again. It's been quite a few years. I could play those games mm. again if they got rid of Stephen Merchant in Portal 2. That would no, be like, fun. I, like I, I fucking like hated Wheelie. Ugh. Oh, it's just it's a, so, it takes me out of it so much it's just shame. Stephen Merchant talking <laughs> I'm not listening that's to a, a podcast mate I, I, I like it uh, Nolan North right. was good though the halfway anyway. point 3-2 to Matt with 5 left Doom Eternal oh very interesting oh. a game I was literally I playing Doom Eternal at lunch Oh, there we go. I played ten minutes outriders. of it, and then you, I played ten minutes of it, and then you were like, "You want to play Outriders?" I was like, "Yeah, okay, I'll play some Outriders." <laughs> I'm playing the uh, the DLC, which is fucking hard as nails, but it is incredible, and not included in the main story runtime. This is what true. Have we got it's me, it's first, Joe. Joe. Yep, I've gone eighteen. He's gone eighteen. What have you, what have you got? Twenty four. Twenty four. Howlongtobeat.com say only 14 hours. Not playing it on ultraviolence, are they? Like your shit. <laughs> wow. Some snobbery there from Matt Perslow. Uh, someone's grown a bigger kidney uh, the last, <laughs> last few minutes. Uh, three all, that makes it with four to play. If it's a tie, I don't have any tiebreakers. It'll just be you know, a cordial affair. Whoever says I win uh, first. Game seven, Horizon Zero Dawn. Ooh. Another Matt Perslow favourite. Yeah, been a while since I played it though. Can't remember how long mm. it was. Also, that's got a lot of shit to do on the side. Mm. Yep. 
Let's let's have those hours. It's Matt first. I'm gonna say twenty-two. I've gone twenty-two. Thirty. It is indeed thirty-one. Oh, Ooh, I nearly, there, I nearly changed to thirty-one just to be weird. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh, what if it's just the kooky thirty-one? And I was like, shut up, Scrabbles. You still got the point. Four three with three left to play. The Last of Us Part Two. That's quite a good one, actually. Uh, this will be Joe to show first. I feel like this the is the longest naughty dog game to date. I feel like this is wrong, but I've written nineteen. Nineteen there from Joe. What have you got, Matt? I've written what I know it took me, so 24. Oh, it's 24! It's a good dollar! He's over the moon. If only we could gift that reaction out. That was, uh, that's two points to Matt. It's MattLongToBeat.com. <laughs> oh, it's going to be hard. Unless we get another bang on now, there won't be a draw. It is 5-4 to Matt with two left to play. Play along at home. <laughs> Um, number nine, Celeste, the uh, cult, Ooh. difficult platformer from three years ago now, I think. Two, three years ago. Got it. Two years. I don't know. Uh, and it is Matt to show first for Celeste. Fourteen. Fourteen. Twelve. Whoa! It's eight. Joe gets the point. Eight. Some speedy fuckers out there. I suppose there there is quite a lot of optional stuff in that game, isn't there? Yeah. It's not that long a game, I don't think, but it is hard. I'll give it that. I don't think I ever quite finished it. Got ourselves a decider. I know. Five all with one left to play. And this game is Uncharted 4. Oh, that's interesting. Unch 4. You both said the same thing. I'm going to go... And it will be Joe to show. Deep in consideration. Yeah. Like Rodan's the thinker. <laughs> uh, I just did Rodan's the thinker. Because I'm cultured and did know you? what he looks like. Are you also a clock? Yeah. Are you I'm a, a murder weapon? In don't, a... Call him, don't call him that. <laughs> you fucking clock, mate. Uh, right. Joe, what have you got? Because because it was wrong, but I know it was longer before. I've gone for nineteen, same as long last but us. long. Uh, nineteen there for Joe. What have you 18. got? Matt? Oh He's Christ! Eighteen. He's undercut him, and it's worked. It's fifteen. <laughs> Matt takes it six to five, and it's the bang on that did it. And you've got to hand it to the man. He got a bang on, and that's what does it. <laughs> I'm you always one, Cardi. Always yeah, happy to be beaten by one. a bang on. So that's absolutely yeah, fine. There with we me. go. Uh, thank you, Johnny Hunter, for that game. I enjoyed it. And you know what? That is a reusable one. And it can't it come up for anything. Like, you know, guess the exact running time of a film or something like that. It's reusable. It's quick. A bit of fun. Enjoyable for all, I'm sure. There we go. Remember to send in your end of searches to IGN underscore UK feedback at IGN.com. Speaking of feedback, why don't we have some? Okay. Mm-hmm. Matt. Yep. Go on in from Cole Cohen. Now, if you remember, we recently had 
a disgusting bit of feedback to do with um, a, a, a drink that involves yes. ice and whole and lemons. lemons and whole eggs. And yes. we just, just didn't blended. know. Um, no, but anyway, Cole disgusting. says, an update on the provenance of the blended egg drink. Nigella denies knowledge of it. See attached screenshot. <laughs> I then here have a tweet from Thing Discusser, who I assume is Cole. At him, be, Nigella- it would be incredible if it was someone else. Atting <laughs> <laughs> uh, Nigella says, Nigella underscore Lawson. I'm trying to track down a recipe that I think I saw on one of your programs about 20 years ago. It was a drink that was made by blending lemons in their peels, eggs in their shells, and, I think, ice. I can't find the recipe anywhere. Was it one of yours? To which Nigella replies, I don't believe it was. I mean, good honour for replying to that, because if someone sent, if I was a professional chef and someone sent me that as a recipe I might have suggested, I'd be like, fuck you, mate. That'd be a block. But why is she trying to wipe this from the records? Because I still think she may have. Yeah, maybe that is, maybe it is just uh, public, yeah, public uh, gaslighting. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, Nigella. Maybe we'll get Nigella on the podcast. Should we do that? I no. would welcome Nigella on the podcast. I'd love to know what she has to say about Outriders. <laughs> <laughs> can we get can we get Nigella reacts to Breath of the Wild food or something? Can no, we get that going as a video. It's too easy. I want her to react to stuff she's not going to be good at. She could make the blue like mega juice. kidneys. <laughs> Who would win? <laughs> Who'd win in Kong versus Godzilla by Nigella Lawson? <laughs> I've Let's got some Nigella feedback. In. Yeah. Yes. Before we get to Nigella, I've got Mike Newman, who says, Hello, fine fellas of IGN UK. I'm writing to you as the top of the popes has got me thinking of a trip I took to the Vatican a few years ago. See? It was well received. This then. is why we do it. We were having the tour of the Sistine Chapel, and the vast majority of people did their best to take sneaky photographs of the ceilings with their cell phone cameras. Not technically a sin, capital S, which I appreciate, but definitely frowned upon. While the majority of the chubby Americans in their cargo shorts... Mike is American, so it's not... No one's being... This is is self-deprecation. While the majority of the chubby Americans in their cargo shorts looked longingly to the ceiling, imagining who would win David and the Lord's forthcoming game of rock, paper, scissors... (laughs) I have never heard the Sistine Chapel explained that way. I found myself staring at the walls instead. Ooh, what a contrarian. Oh, I went to rebel. St. Peter's and I looked at the walls. <laughs> sure, the a ceilings... Cultural maverick yeah. on our hands. Sure, the ceilings beauty is well documented, but whoever painted the... Whoever painted the curtains in that church did an absolutely incredible job. Uh... I don't think anyone paints curtains, Mike, but, you know, whatever. He, he carries on in brackets. I assume it was Mikey Angelo, but I don't feel like confirming. <laughs> I, You know what? I'm back on side. I was looking at what was surely a painting, but the way the shadows and curtains themselves were painted, you could have sworn you could have gone up. Oh, I see. They are painted curtains. They are paintings of yes. curtains. Right. I'm, I'm back. <laughs> I'm going to carry on. I was looking at what was surely a painting, but the way the shadows and the curtains themselves were painted, you could have sworn you could go up and touch their velvety smoothness. This thought brought me to a question I thought suitable for you lot. What is something in a game slash film slash show that that enthralled you far more than what it was popular for? 
Sure, everyone knows that Breath of the Wild is beloved for its openness and go-anywhere attitude, but did you really just like the sound of the breeze? While watching The Prestige, did you fall in love with Christian Bale's time-period perfect shoes? Was Mindhunter the show you needed for portraying the dreary and uninspiring decor of a government building of the 1970s? Actually, yes. Anyway, interested to know your thoughts best, Mike from Massachusetts. I've got an immediate answer for this, and I know that Matt agrees with me. Yeah, I don't know exactly what you're going to say, because I thought of this too. It's the velvet in Assassin's Creed Unity. Yeah. Assassin's (laughs) Creed Unity. all textiles, but velvet especially. Yeah. All the clothes in Assassin's Creed Unity look fucking incredible. Uh, Like, that game gets... I I think we've talked about this a lot before. That game gets so much shit, but... A, I thought his combat was quite good. B, its parkour was really good. And C, the velvet is gorgeous. And I hate... The thought of touching velvet gives me goosebumps. I hate the feeling of it so much. And yet I love to look at a digital facsimile. Um, Yeah, it's amazing. Well, I was going to say, I thought the obvious one you were going to say was Yegor's jacket from Warzone. Yegor's jacket is uh, very much an offshoot of my love for Assassin's Creed Unity's textiles. Another one, and this this is based somewhat on someone else's observation but um the sound of the boat creaking in sea of the in sea of the thieves sea of thieves is absolutely beautiful christian donlan brought it up in his review of that game and the writing of that is so beautiful that rare have it on a plaque in their sound design area like they've got a big printed set of christian donlan quotes on the wall in the place that made the noises um it's it's it sounds amazing isn't it um i'm trying to I don't know if I've got one like that. I've got two architectural things, which is mm-hmm. any painted concrete walls in Mirror's Edge. Oh, absolutely yes. beautiful. The way that they've managed to capture what um, emulsion looks like on concrete walls is astonishing. And also, all the ceilings in Deus Ex Human Revolution. Absolutely yeah. beautiful. They're great. Um, similarly, Alien Isolation does a really I think I've said this before does a really good thing of their shiny floors have like scuffs and greasy marks mm. on like on a second texture layer that you can only see in the light it looks amazing so good um Cardi's just <laughs> left and the, the interesting thing about that is if Cardi made any noise during that it will still be on the recording so I hope I, you might just hear me go <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, I'm back. I'm back. I, I was trying to. I was trying to. I was thinking so hard. I melted my internet. Yeah. Um, what? <laughs> I'm trying to think of little things. Oh, like I've got. That. I've got. I've got one. Uh, me and my friend uh, were talking about how shite The World's End is, the third film in the Cornetto trilogy. I remember knowing that I thought it was shite in the cinema because I was concentrating more on the fact that I'd been in a load of the pubs they filmed in and was like really concentrating on oh, that one's in Welland Garden City and that one's in Letchworth Garden City and just getting really into all that and then went, oh, I haven't paid attention to the plot for the last half hour because it's rubbish. Yeah. I don't know. I was... So I've recently started my Mad Men rewatch. Mm. Uh, already done like almost two seasons in a few days because you can't stop yeah. watching it. I'm about to sneeze. <laughs> I stopped it. We've survived. It's coming back. <laughs> <laughs> What you need is oh, a mega nose pill. <laughs> yeah, I need a mega nose pill. I was just thinking, like, just... But that is kind of what Mad Men is known for, just yeah. that. But the, I think... I'd like to live in that... I'd like to live there, but minus all the misogyny. And, the, you know, that's not what I'm into it for. But just that whole world is just... 
I just want to be there. I must say, it you know when they move from um, from the original office and they move to the Sterling yeah. Cooper Draper Price office and it mm. is all made of those prefab aluminium dividing walls with glass panels in it, where I used to work, their offices were identical to that. And it was just like, oh, oh the offices, at the shop I used to work for have literally been there since the 1960s. It was such a, a perfect replication. I think it made me... It's maybe more nostalgic for being in an office and being able to walk over mm. and talk to someone. <laughs> so yeah. Oh, that's that's Halo Four, which is a game I didn't enjoy very much. The needler in that game, I think it's Halo Four. Um, when you aim down sights on it, it pops up two little prongs, and they make a little holographic sight, and it like fizzles into view, and it's just like a really nice bit of animation that did not need to be there, and I really like it. A similar thing to that Ooh. is a game that nobody remembers, which is Fear Two. But I remember Fear Two having on the P nine, well, its version of the P ninety submachine gun. When you'd eject the magazine, it'd open the top, but there'd be a little bit of spring as the top mm. opened, and that was kind of that early days of oh wow, people actually put like replicated physics onto animations now. That I think was I, something I noticed. Yeah. I think I've mentioned this before, but oh, what's his name? Dude who made Quadrilateral Cowboy and oh. all those kind of and Thirty Flights of Loving. Yeah, I can't remember um, what his name is. Oh, I can't remember. He does good tweet threads every now and then, where he's just pointing out stuff he really likes in in games. And I remember he did one. He just really liked Homefront: The Revolution. Like <laughs> no one wow. liked that game, but he spotted all these little details that really sing. And like one of them is. There's like contextual animations in first person for your hand opening drawers and it like perfectly <laughs> grabs them and pulls them right. And it's like, it's genuinely very impressive. And when you see a game developer pointing it out, you're like, oh yeah, that would, why would you put all that work into that? It's really yeah. cool. It's weird because Homefront is very valve Like that entire mm. opening is mm-hmm. entirely ripped out of, um, out of Half-Life 2. So I can see why it's got that. Yeah. That's weird. I've got one, a very recent one actually that, I thought of that actually hit me very hard nostalgically, which is in It Takes Two, and there's lots of this stuff in It Takes Two, and it's in the toy section we were talking about, and this won't spoil it in any way, so don't worry. But like, there's basically a bit where there's just a whole bit of like brio-like train set mm. wood that just joins together, and it made me so Jesus. I I love that so much. I love. I had so much brio. I'd like, completely forgotten about brio until you just said that, and I've got <laughs> fucking loads of it at my parents' house. Yeah, I I think I gave like maybe like a few years ago I gave it away to like a younger cousin or nephew or something, so I don't have it anymore. But like that is so ingrained in my childhood, and I love that. Like it's just so well made that just those chunky yeah. bits of wood that goes like I I seeing that in it takes to. Uh, it hit me a little bit. I, takes, I, I think I audibly, I audibly said to Lucy, "They've got brio." <laughs> They've it, got- <laughs> it takes two does quite a good job in because it's very unclear whether it's set in the UK or the US or somewhere mm-hmm. else. Like it's quite ha- purposely hazy about that to the point where the two main characters are American and English. Um, yeah, but there are some bits of it that feel so English housey to me uh, mm-hmm. that I just that. Like that kind of thing really sings in a lot of places. Like some of the garden stuff, feel there's a fucking guy with a conker on his head. We've talked about it. Um, exactly. Yeah, there's some stuff in there that, yeah, same feeling where you just kind of look at it and you're like, yeah, that is what this paving slab would look like in a garden. Uh, it's yeah. really nice. Oh, it's so good. I, I, yeah. This is I, a great I, I question. I would love to hear what oh, people okay. have to say about this as well. Like, 
exactly. The yeah. stuff you're Let not, know. the stuff you would never normally notice in a game or film or TV show, but that you fixate mm-hmm. on. I think that's great. That is a great one. Uh, we've got some more. That's not where the feedback stops, though. We've got more. Um, I've got one here from Tom Lovegrove. He says, Hi, guys. Love the podcast. Always a great listen as I mindlessly grind for platinum trophies long after my enjoyment of the game has faded. Is this from Dale? I, I, I <laughs> <laughs> Currently about 120 hours into Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Oh, you poor there you bastard. Go. I... Do you know what? If I I played that game on Series X, if I played it on PS5, I think I might have gone for the Platinum. I was enjoying it that much, Mm. but I'm just nowhere near as interested in getting my uh, achievements on Xbox. But there we go. Um, Just thought I'd chime in with my story regarding films I watched at a way too young age. I think, where did this this stem from last week, was it, I think? Someone wrote in saying they were scarred by something. Oh, I don't know. It might have been one of us. Anyway, like most boomers, my dad has an unhealthy fascination with everything to do with the Second World War. <laughs> to be fair, like, I understand that. My my dad seems to only watch like 1950s black and white films. Like, there's so many good films you could be watching. That, no, it's Ice Cold in Alex again. Or it's Damn Busters again. Uh, good films, don't get me wrong, but there's a lot more out there. Uh, but anyway, from watching numerous documentaries on Hitler to reading endless books on Stalingrad and visiting the Tank Museum in Bovington <laughs> on an almost annual basis. I've been to the Bovington Tank Museum. Good. <laughs> Is it good? Yeah, there's tanks in it. Okay. What more do you need? Uh, one day he came home with a video copy of Saving Private Ryan and insisted we all watch it one evening. A film so accurate in its grim and visual depiction of the D-Day landings that according to IMDb trivia, it re-traumatised a lot of the actual Second World War veterans upon viewing. The almost 30 minute long opening was so graphic and harrowing that it still haunts me to this day. That is an incredible piece of filmmaking. Mm-hmm. It was just an incredible film, I think, but... Yeah, that opening 30 minutes is up there, isn't it? Um, my parents couldn't even reassure me with the classic reminder that it's not real. <laughs> I was five at the time. <laughs> Jesus. Also, I didn't watch that until Of I all the things to say, it was real. Like, I know it's not <laughs> documentary footage, but it is what happened. It is. Exactly. I think that maybe that's what Tom's getting. I don't know. There we go. Um, he also let my brother watch the film Stalingrad, <laughs> where my brother sobbed for an hour because he didn't want the Germans to lose. Oh, you've th- Tom's thrown his brother <laughs> under the bus there. <laughs> oh, dear. Stay safe and always, as always, respect the sea. Tom from Horsham. Um, yeah, you sh- there's something. Like, five is too young for Saving Private Ryan. I remember watching Saving Private Ryan maybe when I was... I don't know, 13, 14. So um, I'd be quite young, but I had quite a similar... My dad imported it. It was one of the first DVDs he owned, and it was an import from America. And I had no idea what it would be. And I remember, like, I think I got maybe about... I got to the bit where they blow... You know, when they use the Bangalores to blow the, the, the yeah. bridge up? Um, but obviously, by that point, you've seen the guy that's got all of his guts hanging out. Mm-hmm. And you've at seen the, the time, bits. Yeah, at the time, I was I was traumatised by that, but I'd never really seen anything about World War II before, and I couldn't understand mm. why they were sending men with single-shot rifles at machine guns. And that was like my yeah. first understanding of how fucking horrible the Second World War was. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I really watched that film last year. It's still so good. Like That is one of my... The sniper tower scenes near the start with Vin Diesel in Mm -hmm. it. I always forget Vin Diesel is in this film Mm. uh, and quite good as well. But um, 
that is one of my favourite scenes in Amy film. I love that so much. Uh, it's also I think almost exactly and... an hour in because we used to watch it all the time in history and the bell would always go <laughs> as he fired the shots. <laughs> oh, that is such a good scene. I, that, yeah, that and the uh, Alfred Molina scene in Boogie Nights near the end uh, when they're playing Jesse's Girl. Like, I think those are one of my two favourite scenes in any film. Like, that's a good. That's a good another topic. What's your favourite scene in a film? We're gonna have so much feedback. Send it in uh, to IGN underscore UK feedback at IGN dot com. We've got one last piece again. So we talked about last week, mm-hmm. Matt. This is this is great email. This is from Tom Wiley who says, "Hi IGN UK, long time listener, third time writer, but hoping to make it through the quality filter this time. Wanted to add something on the gaming addiction chat that we did last episode." While you rightly point out that there's no direct substance intake involved uh, involved in this, this is also true in a more traditional gambling addiction, and it's also normally a symptom of more underlying issues. But there are but there are widespread interventions and groups like the GA that are set up to affect these people affected. Uh, the thing is, in both cases, there actually is a sus- substance involved, which people are chasing and dependent on, which is dopamine. Obviously not an ingested substance, but something that you make. Uh, part of the reward pathway in the brain, which both gaming and gambling work on to engage people. One is more financially dangerous than the other, prior to microtransactions, but it also has better care pathways. I think there is... I think this is in no small part because more analysis of gaming has frequently been idiotic scare stories about it being entirely evil with about as much scientific rigor and thought as a Toby Young's or the anti-lockdown crowd's COVID research. Delete is applicable for libel reasons. I think we're more than happy to stick a, a jab at Tony Young. Um, <laughs> He's allegedly a fucking prick. So I think that's covered. I, I, thought, I thought you were gonna. I, I thought you were gonna say he's a legend. <laughs> no. <laughs> Where that come from? Uh, no. This shuts down proper research and can hide exactly where and how people might need help tailored to some aspects of gaming. See, seeing this kind of stigma from misunderstanding affect healthcare and research in a lot of other areas. Mental health, obesity, and diabetes being the one that I've worked around. So just wanted to say. That, that ways to improve how to support people who need it could go a long way. As a side point, conditions like ADHD are also driven by dopamine, and anecdotally, a lot of gamers I know seem to have a degree of this. Understanding of the condition improving recently is why I re- recognise symptoms and got diagnosed, but my undergrad years are a total blur of chasing dopamine hits playing 12 or more hours a day going for world rankings in World of Warcraft, as dumb as that sounds, and indeed was. It was an interesting discussion, and there's a lot of angles here. But I really think there is a gap here for people who are really falling, who are really falling into a bad way. I was glad to hear a listener doing some work looking into it. To end on something more on more on brand, a bizarre food recipe: take a pack of pizza pepperoni, lay the circles out flat on a stack of sheets of folded over kitchen towel, and then microwave for three minutes. Meat crisps, genuinely really nice, and an answer to the question about whether or not it's safe to microwave meat. I've been doing it for years. Just ignore the state of the kitchen towel after cooking. Thanks for reading. Tom Wiley, we get both of those in one email. <laughs> what that is. That is having our cake and eating the meat crisps. That's great. <laughs> um, talking a bit, we'll get on to the more important stuff in a second, but talking of meat crisps, sorry, <laughs> it's not the place to start, but it's in my head now. I think Marston Spencer's do a similar thing. I remember once uh, when I was at Liverpool Street, well, back when we got on trains, uh, they had little like chorizo crisps you could get in bag, which were just, just bits of dried chorizo. Yeah, that sounds good. Quite nice. for that. There you go. Meat crisps are a thing. So you're not as mad as you sound there. Uh, 
I th- I actually thought I'm glad Tom Wiley brought up the dopamine stuff because I actually I thought we'd mentioned that briefly last week, but maybe it was one of those ones where I was like, "Oh, someone's talking." I'll say that in a bit, but I was go- mm. I was specifically going to ask if that counts. Like I wasn't going to go, mm. "Yeah, of course, dopamine." I don't know. Um, so it's really interesting to have that. Yeah, like I hadn't thought of it because obviously, like I'd been thinking a lot about the idea that I think a lot of the addiction side of it comes from the societal elements like are you depressed you know kind Mm. of like you know all these Mm -hmm. different things and certainly i am playing a lot more games than i normally would do over the past year because i can't fucking concentrate on anything other than video games it's more than 10 Mm -hmm. minutes long when obviously the cycles of games help but yeah that idea of like dopamine is a chemical and it makes you feel well good Mm. so yeah yeah Mm -hmm. i get it Um, we've got some really smart and excellent listeners and well done and also they eat meat crisps so they're (laughs) legends as well (laughs) exactly allegedly legends um they're legit legends i'm allowed to say that they're legit yeah lovely stuff oh this was a another fun podcast uh that's not for you to say it was fun to be a part of okay i don't know if it's fun to listen to yeah yeah let's make that clear yeah, we are we are pushing an hour and a half again. We just we just oh, can't Jesus. stop. But there was a lot to talk about this week, so maybe we'll be forgiven. Half of it wasn't popes this week. <laughs> so, there we yeah, go. that's true. Um, yeah, all there is to do now is to say goodbye and listen to a bit of near automata's music. Oh. Should we do that? Yeah. Go on. Okay. Then. Goodbye. Bye. We're gonna shout it loud, even if I would sing me. Like I'm carrying the weight of the world I wish that some way, somehow That I could save every one of us But the truth is that I'm only one girl Still you gonna shout it loud Even if I would seem meaningless It's like I'm carrying Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues, and it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.